Hi, everyone. I'm Scott Branley. And I'm Alicia Coakley. Every member of the church has a story to share, one that can instill faith, invite growth, and inspire others. On today's episode, we're going to hear how an obsession with funny underwear, a terrified missionary, and a 40-year journey led to being sealed to family on both sides of the veil. Welcome to Latter-day Lights. Welcome back to another episode of Latter-day Lights. Today, we're actually going to hear from Alicia's dad, John Shushard, and that's really exciting. He's got a really fun story for us today, (laughs) and I think you're really going to like it. John, thanks for being on our show today. You're welcome. (laughs) Pleasure to be here. (laughs) So, John, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Well... (laughs) And take a long time to tell you about myself, actually. But I was a I was a good Baptist, and uh, and luckily found the gospel. I'll tell you about that a little more later. I uh, spent most of my life as, okay. a, as a tree trimmer, uh, tree trimming and removal. Spent eight years in the military, and. Uh, during that time, I did a little uh, jumping out of airplanes and things. I liked it a lot. It was really, really pretty cool. And uh, I traveled around quite a bit in the world. Spent a couple of years in the motorhome, uh, just traveling here and there. And now we're here in Nevada, staying with my daughter. Where she's helping my wife has cancer. So, but we're working it all out, anyways. So. Pretty much sums it up, I guess. <laughs> well, John, uh, Alicia told me that you have a really cool story to tell us. So why don't you take it away? Well, okay. I guess uh, probably the best place to start. Uh, I was in the military uh, at this time. About 22 years old, I guess I was. And I was working in the middle, in the uh, orderly room. And... There's another clerk in there that worked with me, and I noticed every morning we fell out for physical training that was, you know, exercises, push-ups, sit-ups, so, and then go run five miles <laughs> before breakfast. But I noticed right. every morning, uh, the guy's name was Keith. I noticed Keith always had two T-shirts on. And I couldn't figure that out. So I said to him, Keith, why do you wear two T-shirts? He said, well, figure it out. I said, well, it's the figure. You're doubling (laughs) your laundry bill. That's what I figure. You know, nobody has to wear two T-shirts. That's stupid. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) he wouldn't tell me. So I asked him again. He wouldn't tell me. He kept telling me, figure it out, figure it out. And uh, finally one day he said to me, do you really want to know why I wear two T-shirts? And I said, yeah, I really do. It's starting to bug me. I just can't figure nothing. There's no reason for that. (laughs) And uh, stupid, I mean, I don't care. Wear three or four if you want to, but I just don't know why. So he said, well, come over to my house tonight. He said, a couple of friends of mine are going to be over there, and they'll tell you why I wear two T-shirts. Yeah. 
I said, wow, okay. now, now you really got me curious. You know, you got to have somebody <laughs> else tell me. Anyways, I went over there, and obviously, as, as uh, most of you can imagine now, we're talking about temple garments with a T-shirt over top of the garment, which looks like two T-shirts. Uh, if he would have told me that, uh, when I first asked him, I would have just blown it off as he's some kind of a religious fanatic, probably. But uh, he didn't. Got my curiosity up. Of course, the missionaries right away started discussing things with the church. So I went through the whole program. I talked to them about everything, and they got to the part, and they challenged me to baptism. And I told them, I said, well, you know, uh, it's pretty good what you're telling me. It sounds good, but uh, I got to think about it more. I want to read the Bible first, Book of Mormon stuff, read that. So they said, okay, and that was great. And <clears throat> so I went home and I started reading. And I kept on reading and kept on reading. And I got out of the military and I finished reading the Bible. I finished reading the Book of Mormon, Pearl Great Price, the Doctrine of Covenants. <laughs> yeah, I read it all. I read everything. Then one night, I ran into a young lady that I had previously met, but uh, whatever. Anyways, I took her out to dinner. And, uh, in fact, that was 43 years ago. She hasn't gone home yet. <laughs> well, go figure. <laughs> Still feeding her, too. Anyways... Yeah, uh, we dated, started dating, and I told her, I said, the, the Mormons believe this, or the Mormons believe that. And at that time, we, we were associating ourselves as Mormons. <clears throat> and she asked me, what is it with this Mormon thing with you? And I said, well, I, I really don't know. I said, it's just, it, I was told some things and it won't go away. I can't forget them. It makes sense to me. And I, I think there's some truth to it. I just, I can't, I can't get it out of my head. So I want to talk to the missionaries. Someday I want to talk to them again as soon as I find them. So, well, lo and behold, one day came along and uh, I was married then. We had a, uh, my first daughter, she was about two years old. No, it's not. Alicia's my second daughter. But anyway, we had my first daughter. We were getting ready to go away. And uh, here's a kind of interesting thing comes along. At that time, I was uh, approximately 70 pounds heavier than what I am right now with no body fat. Oh, wow. If you can imagine it. If you think of um, uh, most people probably can associate with Dwayne Johnson and call it rock uh -huh. big, mm -hmm. big arms. Uh, my arms at that time <laughs> were as big as what my legs are now. I mean, I, I literally looked like the rock. His nickname was tree, right, dad? That's what they called you. Oh yeah. Yeah. They nicknamed tree. Me, or did that in the military, <laughs> nicknamed me tree. Uh, I came mm -hmm. in through a room one day and they said, somebody said something about, uh, standing as tall as an oak tree or something. Anyways, I, I was six foot two, 245 pounds, and it's just solid muscle, you know. Anyways, uh, wow. <clears throat> so I had this T-shirt on. So imagine um, a guy with 
you know, 22 inch biceps <laughs> and uh, whatnot. Anyways, I see these two guys outside walking down the sidewalk and they started to come up to the house and then they said something to each other and they went back out on the sidewalk and they started to walk away. Then they turned around and they said something to each other. They went, came back up toward the house. Then they went back out on the sidewalk. And then they turned around and came back up. And I'm standing there looking at them and thinking, what is this? They're <laughs> stupid or something, you know? What are they, they going to do? So anyways, uh, it's like the pessimists and the optimists. If you can, they were debating between uh -huh. each other. Now at that time, they had a small tablet. And this tablet was a, a recording of the neighborhood, their tracking, the people they talked to, things like that. Anyway, the notes for the address on the rental house that my wife and I were staying in at that time said, do not knock on the door. The guy does not want to talk about religion, and he is not very friendly. Uh -huh. So just don't go there. <laughs> so the one missionary, as a pessimist and optimist, well, one said, we can't knock on the door. We can't bother the man. He doesn't want to be bothered. And he's not friendly anyway. So <laughs> the other one said, I don't know. I just think we got to knock on the door. Uh, I just feel inspired to do that. And then the other one said, you know, no, no, we can't do that. So they'd walk away. Yeah, we have right. to. So they came back. And back dad, and forth, back and forth. this was not you. You weren't the guy. What? Right. You just to clarify, just to clarify for our listeners, it was not you. It was the previous renter of the house. Correct. Oh, yeah. 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 It was the one that wasn't yeah, friendly. Got to clarify that. <laughs> was a previous renter. Yes. They moved out. My wife and I moved in. So we were somebody, you know, totally new. I think the Lord was telling one of the missionaries to knock on the door. The other one was listening to what was written in the book, you know. He was a young, young fellow. Uh, anyway, so they came up and they knocked on the door. And I went to the door and we had a screen door and a, a regular uh, heavy door. So I opened up the heavier door and uh, I said, yeah, I said, can I help you? You know, so I got these two guys standing on my steps. They came up on the landing up there. <clears throat> and the older one, he said, uh, we're from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we have a message for you. And immediately my mind clicked, and I thought, missionaries. So I guess maybe <laughs> I was a little overexcited or something. I don't know, a little <laughs> zealous. I pushed the screen door open real wide and I said oh missionaries like that and the, and the younger missionary he jumped off the porch right into the bushes he was so scared he told me later he said I, I thought you were going to kill me <laughs> so imagine this big hawk of a guy and and that poor little missionary guy he just jumped right off the porch anyways uh, the, 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 I told him I said listen I want to talk to you guys you know uh but not right now. I'm, I'm going away. I'm busy. So they said, well, we'll come back. I said, okay, when? 
And he said, well, tomorrow night or something, that'd be good. I said, okay, that'd be fine. Seven o'clock. How about that? Seven o'clock tomorrow night. They said, okay. I said, I'm serious now. I want you to come back. I said, they were scared. I could tell they were scared, and I couldn't understand why. When I found out later, it was, you know, that was that pessimist and optimist sign there that had them so scared. Mm-hmm. Well, they came back. We started discussions with them, by myself and my wife. And uh, my wife was not too convinced. She kind of thought they were from the devil. So she fought with them about most everything. She wanted to know more, get more in depth. This is something I think that actually the church um, did something a little abnormal. And that's normally this missionaries get separated after a certain amount of time and they have a new one come in. Well, they didn't do that with them. These two missionaries, they kept them together as a team because we they were afraid that if they changed the missionary out they might lose us my wife and i that we would you know wouldn't relate to them properly well anyways mm-hmm. my wife didn't relate anyways she she told him no you know, guys are from the devil <laughs> uh, we wrote letters to jerry Fowell, um jimmy swagger uh, we talked to uh, lutheran ministers uh, Baptist preachers. We went to the Baptist Bible College and talked to professors up there, asked questions, sort things out. Wow. Nobody could answer the questions. They said, we're not supposed to know everything. I said, I think we're supposed to know. I think so. We're not supposed to not know. So anyway, the wife, it was kind of funny. She got really mad at him one day. She said, I, you guys, I, I don't believe what you're saying to she says, just, just get out. Get out of my house. Don't come back. So <laughs> they got up to leave. I walked them to the door, and I said, ah, come back tomorrow night. And they said, well, your wife doesn't want us to. I, said, I know, but I said, I want you to come back for me. It's my house. I pay the rent here. So you come back and talk to me, and I'll, I'll take care of her. So <laughs> they said, okay. So they did. They came back, and she, she, didn't, she went in the kitchen. And we had a discussion, and uh, and then came back the next night. And next night, Sunday, she come out of the kitchen. That is not true. You guys are up the door. <laughs> Get out of my house. Uh, it went on and on. <laughs> Anyways, finally, we decided to uh, we went through all the uh, books, all the letters, all the anti-Mormon literature. You guys right. cannot believe how much of that stuff is out there, and that when you're investigating the church. And there's an opening or an opportunity that the devil feels he's going to take it. And he did. He sent us piles of it, anti-Mormon literature or negative. So the missionary said, we, we're going to take and we'll do, a, we'll go through every pamphlet, every letter, every book that you have. If we find one thing wrong with it, no matter what, one thing that does not coincide with what your Bible says, not Book of Mormon or anything else, just your Bible, then we take that book or that pamphlet or that letter, we throw it in the trash because it's not true. There's something wrong with it. 
So, and they said, if you can find one thing wrong with our church, and, you know, with your Bible or scripture or something that, you know, proves the um, Latter-day Saint church to be incorrect or uh, something that's not true, we all will leave and we'll never come back. So my wife said, okay, that's wow. a deal. And it was like dealing cards. One at a time, right in the garbage, when all the pamphlets and the letters and the books, <laughs> there's nothing left. And after talking to everybody we could talk to, there was nobody else to go to. So there's no choice. She's decided, oh, accept the gospel. <laughs> you ready for this? It gets better. <laughs> so oh, wow. we, we, set a we set a date for baptism. We had to drive about 30. 35 miles north to the stake center because the branch that we were going to did not have a baptismal font in it. So we had to go to the stake center to get baptized. <clears throat> so we went up there and we got our whites on and we got the water all set and everything was good to go. And we went in for a final interview. And after that was over, the missionaries came to me and they said, we got a problem. And I said, what's the problem? And they said, yeah, it's your wife. She's not sure that Joseph Smith was a prophet. <laughs> so they said, we can't baptize her. He's, you know, he's like the cornerstone of our whole belief system. And if she don't believe he's a prophet, then right. yeah. he ain't got it. So I said, doggone it. And I said, no, you can't baptize me either because... If I get baptized and she doesn't, she's going to think I ran off without her. And she'll never join the church. She's going to think right. I deserted her. And he said, well, that's kind of what we thought. So we drained the baptismal phone, so we took our lights off. We went home. We didn't get baptized. <laughs> she went home, and she prayed about it <laughs> for a week, and she finally got her answer. And uh, yeah, the next week we came up, and I think the entire stake showed up for our baptism to support it because it didn't work too good the first right. time. But anyways, we got baptized. Uh, we uh, went into the church. I had a problem with uh, tobacco at the time. And I just I, I couldn't seem to shake it. Uh, I went to church, and I tried to do everything, but, you know, when you're doing something that you're not supposed to, it kind of stops you, your progression. You can't you can't seem to progress. I mean, there's a certain part there. It's it's called damnation. I used to think it was like a punishment, but it's more like just stopping you, stopping your progression. It is a punishment, but it's it still keeps you from doing things. <coughs> so. That went on for about 40 years, believe it or not. And uh, I kind of stayed right in the same place. My wife, uh, same way, uh, she had a little problem with alcohol. She finally gave that up. And uh, she got her temple recommend. And she was going to the temple and things. And, I, of course, I couldn't go because I was not away in the word of wisdom. Everything else was good. I just... Couldn't get off those cigarettes. Anyway, well, 
I finally made up my mind and I gave them up. So, in fact, uh, it's been almost three years now since I did that. You know? Wow. But immediately afterwards, uh, well, not immediately, but, you know, uh, very close afterwards, I got my temple recommend. How did that feel to, to finally get that recommend after all those years? You know, it's a funny thing because a lot of people told me about the temple, but it don't really mean nothing, you know. But when you go there, the whole thing is so different. I, when I went there, it was just, I don't know, such a feeling of the spirit. It filled my my heart and my soul to the point I knew exactly that I was in the in the right place. There was no doubt in my mind. And ever since, I think the first, I don't know, maybe Alicia remembers. I think I went to three or four times. You went to the temple within a couple of months or something like that. I just couldn't get enough of it. Unfortunately, uh-huh. COVID-19 come along and that kind of messed things up and whatnot. But uh, that's, that's my desire to go there. I do remember going into the uh, through different phases of the um, things in the temple, the, the, the different rooms and, and the realities of the different levels of glory came to me. I became really, I saw it in the temple itself. I could feel the spirit of the Lord. And, and I knew that the closer you'd get, the better you are as far as uh, learning the things of the gospel and following the teachings of Jesus, the, the greater the rewards are in your, uh, I don't know, I suppose if you're keeping a scoreboard, it's, I just, uh, where I was before, I just, I was like a pauper. Uh, I lived in a little shack with a dirt floor, uh, as opposed to <laughs> someone uh who was doing what the Lord wanted to, who lives in that big mansion on the hill. A lot of people think, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to live in a, you know, you know I'm going to have it really cool. I'm gonna, everything's going to be, no, no, it's not going to be that way. There's things that are required in order to get there. And you, you need to, you need to go to the temple now. You need to get things done for yourself now. And then you need to do things for your family and for others, you know, baptisms and, and ceilings and stuff like that. Anyway, that was one of the things we did. Was my wife and I got sealed. And I did get sealed to two of my children. Alicia is one of them. And my son was another one. But uh, I have two other daughters yet. I'm still hoping to get sealed to. And I guess I will. It's uh, been uh, said to us in a <clears throat> patriarchal blessing that our family would be intact. And uh, it's amazing. Oh, anyway, I, I could go on, yeah. but <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's well, that's incredible, John. It is. It's kind of good story. Yeah, <laughs> Alicia, I have a question for you. So your your parents were were inactive for forty years. How did you how did you stay act like How did you stay active when you were a kid? Like. And how did you stay active growing up when you were an adult? Um, you know, I, I look back on it a lot and I, I've asked myself that same question. Um, here's the funny thing. Even, even though my parents, 
um, when inactive for a long time, and they had their struggles, of course, um, they would defend the church tooth and nail. You know, like they never they never didn't have a testimony, which um, I think was <laughs> it was a really like weird contrast, you know, to be um, growing up in a family where they didn't really go to church and stuff like that. But then for them to be so um, just strong in their testimonies. And so I think part of that kind of helped, you know, my own testimony just to see that even though they weren't doing everything that, um, you know, that they could be doing, that the church meant that much to them that they weren't willing to just put it aside. But I also had um, some really great leaders in my life. I had my my best friend, Brooke. Um, her mom, Teresa, would always come and pick me up for church on Sundays when I was younger. And and just being in church, I I could always feel the spirit there. You know, I could I would look around. I was always like a people watcher. Um, still am. <laughs> but I would always look around and I would just notice these families and I would I would pay attention to their interactions and, you know, the way that the the wives would sit and scratch the husband's back and how the kids would, you know, curl up next to their moms. And, you know, I just, I kind of, there was like this feeling there that just made me, made it so that I always wanted to be that person one day. You know, I always wanted to be able to have my family with me and, and to be the people that sat all in the row together and, you know, just scratch each other's backs and played with each other's hair and, and sat and listened to the the talks and took sacrament together and stuff. And so I think that, um, I guess part of all, I, maybe all of it combined helped me when I was younger. And then definitely as an adult, by that point, I had already developed my own testimony. Um, I've gone through, you know, some things that were really hard and I, I had the, the blessing of being able to see what it was like when you really strived to do the things that would keep the spirit with you on a regular basis and what it was like when the spirit wasn't there. And I saw so much heartache from my parents um, and from my siblings. And not that any of us <laughs> get to go without heartache in life, regardless of, you know, how, um, how much you try to to behave and to do what's right. Heartache is always going to be there. Right. But it was a different kind of heartache. It was, um, it was lonelier, you know, it, it, there, you could feel that something was missing. And I guess I just always kind of knew in the weird way from my parents' examples that the church had to be meaningful. The gospel had to be meaningful for it to still have such a strong hold on them, despite all of the struggles that they were going through. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely, it's really cool now with my parents living here with me again for however long they stay here. Um, we fill up a whole row <laughs> at church, you know, I, today I was looking over and I saw my dad and his hands on my mom's knee and, you know, my mom is sitting there and they're just intrigued with the speakers and my daughter's cuddling next to me and I'm playing with her hair and I have my other arm over my son and I'm scratching his back. And it was like this moment of like, huh, like I made it. It, I, you know, like I'm finally that family, <laughs> you know? So, um, I don't know. I just, I, I think that 
the fact that my parents held on to their testimony was a really big um, help for me, you know, that they never talked bad about the church or, or tried to make excuses and put the responsibility on somebody else for what they were choosing. And now I get to, you know, see them and um, we still have our struggles, right? As a family, it's not perfect. Um, when my parents went through the temple and got sealed to um, my brother and I, that was um, one of those really sweet and special, but so painful experiences too. Um, because my brother had already passed away at that point, you know? And so it was like, we were so thankful that we had that opportunity. And of, of course it took 40 plus years <laughs> to finally get my parents to the temple and to be sealed to at least some of my siblings. Um, but I can say that I have noticed this huge difference in my parents and in their relationship. You know, they still have their things. <laughs> they still bicker. Right, Dad? Well, it's her <laughs> Who fault. Who doesn't, right? <laughs> she starts it. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because even when they bicker, uh, just the other day, my dad's like, well, I better go in there and apologize to your mom. <laughs> you know, it's just like he he and she both kind of are quicker to realize oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't act like that. And I need to be better. And so it's, you know, it's a it's a better kind of bickering. <laughs> you know, it's a higher, yeah. higher quality problem. Right. Well, well one thing that I think is interesting, Alicia is now we've we've shared you've shared your story we've listened to john's story your husband right and we listened to your dad's story and every one of you have had such an amazing story it's really cool to see how they all intertwine together and how how each of you impacted the other person in their story and in their journey but also it and there was sadness along the way, but there was also some incredible wins and, and some uh, really high high points in each of your stories. Um, it's been a really cool experience to, to have each one of you share your story and see how they all combine together. John, that is an incredible story. <laughs> um, and thank you so much for sharing it with us today. Do you have any last comments before we... Wrap things up, John? Ooh, not really, except uh, I guess uh, I'd like to just uh, bear a little, little of my testimony. And that is, I know without a shadow of a doubt, no doubt. I've always known it since, since I was 21 years old. This church is true. Joseph Smith was a prophet. And this is where I belong, and this is... What's best for us? Uh, the world looks real good sometimes. And some of the things in the world look real good to you. But they're not. They don't last. So you, uh, the Lord said that too. Not not to, you know, um, keep things, uh, put your faith, your stock in, in things of the world because thieves break in and steal and rust corrupts and 
you know, and that's true. It should be built. Everything should be built for eternal purposes. And with this church, with the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives, all that can become true and become a reality where we will experience the, the, the very best that heaven has to give. And, and our lives here on this earth will be better and our life in the eternities will be better too. And I would encourage everybody, if, you, if you're not, not there yet, get there as best you can. You know, trust in the Lord and do His will. And it'll all take care of itself. It has a way of doing that. And I, I, I truly like to leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, John. <laughs> and it's been a pleasure to hear your story. <laughs> We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And also thank you for all of our listeners and those watching this, this podcast. We really appreciate your time as well. And hopefully this story, John's story, has helped to inspire and enlighten your life. Um, make sure that you help share, us, share that story with others if you can. Um, you can do that on our Facebook page. Uh, you can like and share this this video um, and help us to spread that throughout the world. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys have a, sh a story that you would like to share, if you'd like to come and be on our podcast, or if you know someone who has a story that you think might be able to, um, to really inspire others and to kind of ignite that light within themselves, within themselves and within other people, go ahead and head over to latterdaylights.com. That is our website. We will have a form there that you can fill out. You can submit your story and just kind of give us a, a little brief snippet of what it's all about and how it works. And um, we would love to get back to you and, and to see if you might be a, a good fit for being a guest on our show. So again, thank you guys. We really appreciate everything. Dad, Thank you for sharing my favorite story <laughs> with the world. Although I have to say, Dad, when you told it to me as a kid, you always used to call it funny underwear. You never said two, two shirts. <laughs> but that's okay. No worries. Oh, I remember it. <laughs> anyway, we, <laughs> we really appreciate you guys. And, and Dad, we appreciate you for coming on and, and sharing your story too. So that's all I have. Yep. Uh, Scott, anything else? No, uh, thanks again. And we will talk to you next week where we'll share another exciting story and shed more light into this world. Thanks again. And we'll see you then. Bye. -bye.